Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Our Old Testament reading today is from Exodus 3, contrary to what you'll find published, uh, verses 1 through 5, and that's on page 57 in your pew Bibles. Exodus 3, verses 1 through 5. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that the bush was on fire. It did, though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here am I, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. This is the word of the Lord. Our New Testament reading can be found in Romans 12, 9 through 13, on page 1137 in your pew Bibles. Romans 12, 9 through 13. Love in action. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice practice hospitality. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Let's just uh, pray for a second. I am uh, feeling in need of some help (laughs) this morning. So please pray with me. Holy Spirit, may we hear your word to us this morning. May you give us, uh, I guess give me the words to speak and give all of us, also including me, um, the ears to hear what you have to say. Lord, we entrust ourselves, our hearts, our minds to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are um, headed into, well, as you heard read, the next little section of Romans 12, which is uh, um, part of our series called Together. We're talking about our life together. Whew, okay. Um, I'm actually, I'm really grateful for this little passage, particularly the verse, love or the line, love must be sincere, um, because it kind of clarifies the goal. I think a lot of us have experienced insincere love at times, and often from the church even, uh, and that 
is painful, and if that were the goal, that'd be really sad. But we're not looking for niceness. We're not looking for um, any sort of false piety or, you know, smiling through gritted teeth. We're looking for sincere love. Um, it's also a really tough passage, this little list that Paul gives, because, like, you know, as a list, my response to a list of instructions is like, sweet, I can check these off. Um, but these are not things that you can check off. Um, love must be sincere. Like, that's a pretty serious task. The New Living Translation says it like this, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. You can't check that off. You know, there are times that love is like really easy, uh, and that's true with some people and even with them only some of the time, right? Like even in marriage, uh, (laughs) when you do your very, very best to pick the perfect person with whom love is going to be as easy as possible so that it can last the rest of your life, uh, anyone who is married will tell you uh, that marriage is one of the hardest things they have ever done. Um, For some, it's also one of the best things, uh, but even in the very best marriages, loving your spouse can be a challenge, and keeping your love alive requires intention and attention and arguments and, like, doing the dishes when you don't want to do the dishes. Uh, That might be particularly true of our marriage right now. Uh, (laughs) We've been having a lot of fights about dishes. I don't know. Like, it just requires a lot of work. Right? Um, And for both people. And that's when we've like picked, right? And we've done our best with like all of our emotions and all of our wisdom, and we asked all of our friends, and it's still so hard. And Christians aren't just called to love those who are easy to love, right? Jesus actually says the opposite. If you love those who love you, what good is that? Aren't even the sinners doing that? You love your enemies. And then Paul adds, and no faking. And we need Paul's reminder because we so often think that some false form of love is enough. Like if I just smile and say the right words, maybe that will do it. But I will tell you a secret in case you think that that's true. People can tell People know if your love is really more about putting on a show, when it's more about protecting yourself, when it's more about proving that you're a good person. Like, people can tell. Sincere love is really, really hard. And it gets harder because sometimes we're not loving very well even as we think we are. Um, One of my... (laughs) dear children, (laughs) will like hang on my neck. Uh, Like I'll try and put her down and she won't let go. She'll just hang there. Uh, And I'm like, ah, like you're hurting me. Like please, ow, don't hang on me. And she'll say, but I just love you too much. Uh, (laughs) Which is like very cute and also painful. Uh, (laughs) And she's like obviously having a lot of feelings. Uh, That's not really what love looks like, right? Um, I always say to her like, If you love someone, let them go. (laughs) Like, of course kids do that kind of stuff, but, like, 
adults also do that all the time, right? We think we're loving people because we're having some feelings or because we are full of good intentions and we're really just getting our own needs met. Uh, when Tony and I were serving at our last church, um, New Hope, we had this other church. I, might, I don't know if I've told this story here before, but too bad, I'm in charge. I got the microphone. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, we had this other church come and help us, um, and we needed their help. They, we were, New Hope is quite poor, and this church was quite wealthy, and they, needed a, they wanted a service project for their uh, middle schoolers while they were at camp. And Tony and I had always been on the giving side of that kind of relationship, so we were like, yes, this is awesome. Um, We didn't know. Uh, We didn't know. And, you know, their whole goal was to love us. And it was awful. Um, Not because they weren't trying and not because they weren't kind people. They put a lot of energy and effort into caring for us for a whole week They had the best of intentions. Um, And I really struggled with why that felt so awful. Um, And what I came up with was that they couldn't see us. And they didn't know that they couldn't see us. And like we didn't know either until it was too late. And they they did careless things, lots of careless things. But for example, they spilled a ton of paint on our carpet. Um, and, there, you know, there's lots of middle schoolers helping, so, of course, they're going to spill paint and forget to use a drop sheet, but the surprising thing was that the, the adults didn't say anything about it, and as Tony and I spent literally hours on the ground in front of them scrubbing paint out of the carpet, nobody even said sorry. And I think they just, like, it was a blindness. They couldn't tell. And I, I think it's probably because our carpet was really crappy, And if it had been their carpet, they would have just replaced it. But we couldn't afford that. It was all that we had. They couldn't see the value in in what we had because they would not have valued it. Like, and in the end, I think they had a great experience. I think they left feeling really encouraged. The kids got, like, revered like heroes at their camp. And we were left cleaning up their messes feeling confused and discouraged. Like, love can be so complicated. On the other side of that, um, Tony told me that this week in their mini small group, he didn't tell me any of your answers, but he did say that you'd answered the question um, about when you had experienced hospitality. And when he said that, I, the first thought I thought had of when I had experienced hospitality was um, when I was in seminary in a pretty deep depression, a friend of mine invited me over for dinner and she gave me leftover soup and we sat at a folding table and she lit a little tea light and put it in the center of the table and that was it. I didn't even remember what we talked about. But there was something so nourishing in this tiny act of hospitality. It was so hopeful for me in this really dark space Love can be so complicated and so simple. Like, what does it mean for love to be sincere? What if I mostly want good things for someone, but I'm also extremely angry with them? Like, what if they've really hurt me? What does sincere love look like then? What if I just don't particularly like them? 
Like, can I love them sincerely then? And how do I know when I've done it? Like, how do I know I've achieved sincere love? When can I check it off the list? There are so many questions, and I think I'm just, I think probably 10 years ago I would have thought I was better at it. (laughs) Now I think I'm just starting to beginning, like just beginning to see some of the answers, and hardly. And I think that's okay. Our spiritual growth is much more in the struggle and in the questions than in clear and easy answers. Sincere love is the goal, but we can only ever be on the way. Um, Some commentators see that phrase, love must be sincere, as like a topic sentence for the rest of this little passage. So everything else is sort of like breaking it down, um, which actually is quite helpful. Uh, Then you can see each one of the next things as sort of a step on the journey, like hate what is evil, cling to what is good, which is very helpful when dissecting sincere love. It means you don't have to love the horrible parts of mean people. Uh, You can hate those parts, you know? But you do have to look for what's good and then cling to that. And honestly, like, that bit of goodness tells you more about who they truly are than whatever meanness they might bring out. Paul says, then says to be devoted to loving whatever you find there, Right? Be devoted to it, because love requires some measure of commitment and some measure of determination. Honor one another above yourselves. And there's lots of ways that that could express itself. Um, Maybe like listening to understand before you try to be understood, which is a really tough thing to hold yourself back, especially if you're fighting with someone, right? Maybe assuming that there's something real behind what someone is saying, even if you can't identify with it or if you don't understand it. Maybe even assuming that there might be something good in an argument that you hate. Maybe it also just means not throwing people under the bus to protect yourself. Honor one one another above yourselves. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Um, Those all seem to me like things that you need to be able to, things that you need to be able to walk through hard things, like the times when love is really tough. Can you believe in those spaces that God is drawing you through something, that this pain isn't just the end of it, but maybe just a valley on the journey to something else? Can you believe that your prayers really are being heard, even when things are hard? And then he says, you know, you should share your stuff, and you should welcome people into your space, into your life. Give to those in need and practice hospitality. I think that that church shared their stuff with us, but they did not open themselves to us. I think there wasn't hospitality there. Um, Whereas my friend with the tea light, um, she did both. She didn't need me to do a better job before she invited me to her table. She didn't need me to be less depressed. She didn't require anything of me in that space. She just let a tea light and served me soup and welcomed me in as I was, which of course is so much like the hospitality of God. Um, I skipped over one of Paul's lines, uh, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. 
Um, and I skipped that because I want to focus here a bit, because I think it's a crucial piece. Um, it sounds sort of like, muster up all your faith, which is like awful. Uh, <laughs> but one thing that I feel totally confident about with respect to sincere love is that it will require of you a lifetime of formation, a lifetime of prayer, of struggle, of new experiences, of being challenged, even confronted, of missing the mark and trying it again and doing it all, every part of it, in the presence of the love of God. Continually bringing ourselves back to God's love and God's grace. In every misstep, in every successful moment, in every hurt and confusion, in every area of learning to return to God's love and let it soothe and warm us. To let it rush over us and root out the insidious lies that we believe. To let it challenge and humble us by how merciful and how consistent it is. In every moment, in every circumstance, we keep going back to that place. 1 John 4 says, we love because he first loved us. It is God's love that trains us as sincere lovers. It is God's love that teaches us what's evil and what's good. That makes us strong enough to be devoted to one another, even when love is difficult and exhausting. It is God's love that settles us enough that we could honor others above ourselves because we've been released from striving and straining. It is God's love that calms our fears enough that we might share, that we might invite people in, along with their pain and struggle, practicing hospitality. We love because God first loved us. You simply cannot expect to live up to Paul's commands here if you are not returning to the love of God regularly. And it is not quick work, and it is not a straight upward path. It is twists and turns and joys and sorrows and all of it given back to God. It's not something you can check off the list or ever complete. It is a life given over to the lover and to love. Our sincere love finds its beginning and its end in the love of our God. Because the love of our God is as, is as sincere as the cross. God hates what is evil and all the destruction it brings to God's beloved creation, but also clings to what is good and will not let it go. Clings to what is good with a tenacity that goes beyond anything I have, can ever understand. Our God is devoted to us in love. The God of the universe, the creator of all, has honored us above himself in the person of Jesus, becoming nothing for our sake. And God has never been lacking zeal in this love, but has come to us in the beauty of creation, in the burning bush, in a tiny whisper, in the voice of a prophet, in the song of the psalmist, in the faithfulness of a slave girl, in the abundance of wine at a wedding, in the waters of baptism, in the form of a dove of fire, in the sound of a rushing wind, in prayer, 
in each other, in the bread and wine that we share in the body of Christ. From every direction, in every possible way you can imagine, our God has come to us that we might catch a glimpse of the grace that God offers. It just keeps coming. Our God grieves over the ways that we are broken, even as God rejoices over us with singing. God is patient with our many misdeeds and faithful to keep working out our salvation in us. Our God is the giver of all of our joys and delights and practices a hospitality that welcomes the sinner and the saint at the cost of his own blood. Return to this love. Again and again and again. And if you forget, it will return to you. Sincere love. Giving rise to sincere love. Please pray with me. Lord, may we be just floored by your love and then calmed and quieted by it and then challenged and energized by it. May your love make our love sincere. In Jesus' name, amen.